absolutely ridiculous. Hello everyone, welcome to Around the Course Squash Podcast. My name is Arthur Gaskin. With me as ever is Stuart Crawford and Christopher Sackley. How are you doing, fellas? Feeling good. Yeah, all good. Licking the wounds from the weekend a little bit. But... <laughs> I was thinking the enthusiasm <laughs> levels. <laughs> Self-inflicted wounds. Yeah, a couple of big days of golf and lots of uh, lots of billiards matches, actually. Is that it? Was, so yeah. surely there must be more. Yeah, the refreshments. Some, yeah, yeah, you know, stayed hydrated. Beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> One of the funniest tweets I saw on the weekend was on Saturday night from our, our, our old man, Anonymous. You can check him out on Twitter. And it was World Squash Day. So speaking of World Squash Day, it is also World Mental Health Day, World Homeless Day, World Porridge Day, and Hug a Drummer Day. Here's a thought. Maybe we have too many, in inverted commas, days. Or maybe it's been coordinated because squash players like eating porridge for breakfast play professionally makes you increasingly likely to end up homeless or suffer from mental health problems and hug drummers question mark on reflection the last one might be unrelated to what squash said <laughs> what a guy. yeah i try to entertain my three followers as much as i can i have got three people on twitter that i just i, lo- I love i always like take note of when they tweet as ross tucker donald mccray and Crawford squash. <laughs> You're in good company. <laughs> Ross Tucker's great, so I feel in good company. Donald's the man as well. Great journalist. Um, Look out for him. <laughs> yeah. Crawford, Crawford squash with the blue check mark too, and he he follows zero people. Is that right? No, that's that's a different account. <laughs> oh, okay. That's also me though. That's my public account. I've got a one as well. Follow zero people with a blue check mark. That's like that's like celebrity I I status. Like five people. <laughs> it says yeah. says none. Look at Banksy over there, huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's his Disney account. <laughs> um, what a weekend of squash! I think one of the things we talked about in Manchester is that unexpectedly everything went expectedly in terms of seedings and. Sort of certainly no major upsets, a couple of minor ones maybe uh, when we got to the semi-final stage, but pretty much everything went to plan. And then you you look at Saturday and Sunday, you know, on the women's side of the draw, you have the number seven seed, Amanda Sovi out in her first round, which was a round of 32. Sarah Jane Perry is out. Sabrina Sovi beat uh, Olivia Klein. Tinny Galise beat Tessie Evans. Then on the men's side, Gawad is out in the round of 32 at Hisham. Gregory Gaultier moves on, and one of the biggest, I mean, you call it, Chris, it wasn't necessarily an upset in your eyes, Mustafa, Mustafa Asal, took out Seaman Rosner in his first, in first round, uh, followed by James Wilstrop just who now, did, this morning. Who took, out, uh, who took out Joel Macon. Yeah, he certainly did. Yeah, he's a, he's a tough customer to play, and um, just kind of, you know, seeing, seeing what form he was on last year, and then knowing his trajectory, I mean, I watched him play. Uh, I watched him play my brother in a 15k like two or three years ago, and so he's gone from playing, you know, little Canadian 10ks to uh, to making that run at TOC in such a short time. I just think I think he's on a pretty a pretty upward uh, upward trend here, and doesn't seem to be slowing down. Those were his eye mask days. Yeah. Which he promised us all that he was going to keep wearing, but now that he seems, uh, now that he's at 19, he seems like he's changed tack on that. 
<laughs> like the rest of us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Although I suppose the rest of us didn't say we were going to keep wearing them. In fact, it was almost like the minute we got to age 19, bonfire, all the glasses, boom. <laughs> yeah. But at least we did the, the, the integrity to say that from the start instead of lying to the public. love it that's just a little teaser for a future assault rant that's coming (laughs) (laughs) let it build up the longer you leave that build up the better the event will be let me tell you but no I mean I haven't seen that much of the squash over the weekend I saw a little bit of his match today but I mean, beating Rosner in three and then Willstrop in three su- suggests that he's playing really well. Um, Chris, full, full credit to you for calling it. Um, I kind of, when you said it, it made a lot of sense because as you say, he was clearly moving up the rankings quickly and was improving with every event. So it's not a huge surprise, but to do, to do that without dropping a game is impressive. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was tougher for me to, to um, give him an upset over Joel just because, I mean, Simone played awesome last week too, but Joel, uh, the way Joel played against Paul, I thought um, was the best I've ever seen him play. But I just, yeah, I just think he's going to be a problem. And in your eyes, he already is, Stuart. (laughs) (laughs) But he's going to be a problem for a lot of people. And I mean, Yusuf Ibrahim, young Egyptian, um, who plays for uh, Princeton University is what – one of the 13 current or former Ivy League athletes in the tournament, as Ali Farag uh, tweeted out, which was which was uh, got some traction. Um, yeah, but Yusuf Yusuf's a really good player too. I mean, Paul's obviously going to be a tough guy to beat. And then, uh, yeah, looking forward to uh, forward to that next round. There's just no pressure on him. Like he's fearless. I mean, uh, he, obviously, he's an unbelievably good player. He's a gifted athlete. But the way he plays and struts around the place, nothing to lose. And, yeah, it's quite interesting psychologically. He looks like he's changing. Like he's going to – he could be one of those players that changes the way, like, younger generations see the game a little because obviously Rami was super creative. Um, You know, my generation of Canadians really looked up to Jonathan and and, and his style. And – I don't think I've seen anyone put as many cross-court nicks in as us all, right? And I think from a coaching standpoint, we're really teaching fundamentals. We're teaching people to put the ball in straight. And it's, it's kind of – you see this trend happening in sports a little bit with, like, you know, very visible in the NBA with guys just shooting from, like, five to eight feet behind, behind, beyond the three-point arc, which, you know, never used to happen ever. And now guys are making it at a pretty good percentage. And I just see kids loving the way he plays and potentially start working on, you know, just throwing in cross-court nicks way more. Um, it's obviously always a fun shot, but I don't know. I mean, I've never seen anyone hit him, hit him as much as he does. Dasuki at a similar age played that sort of way. Um, strong for his age and very attacking and aggressive, but it seems like a, a sal so far shows that he's probably got a bit more potential than what the Suki's achieved so far. <laughs> Hold him back. <laughs> did you, yeah. did you, did you guys see any of the, uh, Mez and Hashem versus uh, Gawad? I mean, I've, Hashem obviously was a couple of years ago on kind of 
he might have broken to the top 10? 12. 12? Yeah, it got close, and he was he looked like he was on the rise. Um, I think got an injury and just hasn't been able to get back. But, I mean, it's not like he hasn't been been a contender before. Yeah, he's had a tough run the last couple of years. I think he's had three hip surgeries. Two oh. hip surgeries on, I believe, his right hip and one on his left. And he's worked yeah. incredibly hard just to get back playing. He loves it. You can see when he's out there, I didn't get to see any of his match with Gawad, but any time, you know, when you watch him play and he's injury-free, not only is he incredibly entertaining to watch and expressive and attacking to the front of the court, but he just walks around with a bounce in his step and his hair at the time was, you know, he had a nice <laughs> afro going on. So that was kind of like bouncing with him as well. It was just, yeah, what a guy. Happy for him. I didn't see the match, but I don't know if you read the quotes afterwards, but he... He actually mentioned that he's been called up for military service in the Egyptian army for the next year and a bit. So I think he's starting pretty soon after this event and he's going to be doing his sort of training or whatever it is that they're called up for until the end of 2021, so the next sort of 15 months. And he won't be able to play any events outside of Egypt during that period. So he was saying how he he felt really good physically, was healthy, his body felt strong, but basically, he was playing with no pressure because this was going to be the end of his sort of short-term PSA career, um, which is really interesting. I don't know if that's also the reason for the haircut, Arthur. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, maybe it was mandated. <laughs> um, but it is a shame. It's, I mean, he's obviously playing well if he's taking out Gawad. Um, but, yeah. Just quick, quickly on Gawad, I mean... I find it quite interesting that Gawad is now going to finish this tournament and he's still never lost at the pyramids because he didn't even make it there this time. <laughs> <laughs> he protected you a little. Yeah. So any who which picks on the men's side went sideways for you guys? All of them. <laughs> <laughs> I called I I had a bold call with Lucas Serm. I felt he was going to get through Rodriguez. He did not. Rodriguez, judging by the scoreline, which doesn't always doesn't always paint a true reflection, but it was 3-0. But I did say I did have sort of a Serm to beat Miguel, Gaultier to beat Serm. Gaultier didn't beat Serm, but he did beat Miguel. Mackin, I had him all the way down to the final of the top half. <laughs> Other than that, not too bad. <laughs> yeah, so I've got I've got Paul coming through to to play a Saul, and I have him beating a Saul have Ali coming through the top. So we're still alive up top. I have Mar, I have uh, Diego taking out Moman if they both get through and Marwan I had, I think beating, uh, I had Marwan beating Gwad. So Gwad's my, Gwad's my lone, my lone quarterfinal um, loss, but I did have Marwan over Gwad. So I'm still alive. And you did call us all. Yeah. Which is got us all to where he is. Bonus points. Yeah, I did have Marwan, Mar- Marwan for Ag final. Okay, still so, alive. Still you, alive. You only care about the winner. You've made that clear. Well, that's because I'm so bad at predicting everything else. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so off point. <laughs> All or nothing. All or nothing. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Sounds about right, actually, for me in life in general. <laughs> Anyways, moving on. Yeah. Stuart. Yeah, one of the things I wanted to talk about was the seeding system. So just a bit of background for those that aren't aware, but um, when PSA merged the men's and women's tours, 
uh, and they went to this new tournament system of uh, 48 draws with no qualifying. One of the things they did was they had eight seeds on the men's side and 16 seeds on the women's side, which um, makes a big difference as we'll get into in a second. But essentially what they've done just this season is they've uh, aligned both the men's and the women's draws, which again makes sense. Um, I probably thought they were going to merge in, with 16 seeds, which is what the women's draws did, but they went the other way and they've, uh, they've now got both draws operating with eight seeds. And initially I sort of didn't think it made a huge difference and I didn't have any objections to it, but I think what this tournament has showed me that it does matter a lot. Um, and I'm not entirely sure I agree with what they've went with. I think 16 seeds makes more difference. And just give you a couple of examples of why. So uh, we talked about upsets and uh, Yusuf Ibrahim on the men's side is the lowest ranked player that's made the last 16 um, and well-deserved. He's beaten so far Alan Klein, who was ranked 36 in the world, and Declan James, who was 23 in the world. But essentially, he's made the last 16 of a platinum event, which is the highest level of tournament you can get, without beating a top 16 player. Um, now, that could have happened if one of the... If his second-round opponent had beat, had upset a higher-ranked player in the first round, then it may have happened, but to me, if you want to get into the last 16 of these events, you should really have to come up against a top 16 player or have one in your section of the draw, which isn't the case. And there's a few uh, examples on the women's side as well. So Chris, your countrymen are doing really well with Holly Norton and Danielle Letourneau, both making the last 16, which is great for Squash Canada. Um, and obviously they're both playing well to have made that stage, but neither of them have beaten a top 16 player so you had Danielle's two wins were against number 49 and number 25 in the world. Um, and Holly's two wins were against 54 and 36. So, And on the, on the flip side, Gawad had the number 14 in the second round, right? Exactly. And yeah, then on the women's stuff. side yesterday, you had um, one of the upsets was Amanda Sobe losing to Nella Gillis. Um, and again, that's number seven against number 14 in the second round. And then you've got another match that's number 30 against number 25 in the same round. Same prize money, same ranking points, which the more I think about it, the more I think it's probably not that fair. The fact that you could, and you can extrapolate it out to the whole season. So theoretically, you could get ranked inside the top 16 in the world without ever beating a top 16 ranked player, just by getting favorable draws and taking advantage and beating girls ranked below you. And similarly, you could be ranked in the sort of nine to 16 bracket, never lose to someone above you. So you only lose to top eight players. But actually, if you're playing them in the second round because of the draw, then you would probably slowly slip down the rankings and eventually find yourself outside the top 16 without ever losing to someone ranked Below you. Yeah, I know we talked about this before we started recording, Stuart, and I was causing case for argument on the other side. The biggest point from the, on the other side of the spectrum that I saw was that you would see all these, you know, different matches every tournament that you would never have the fear of the same matches being played week in, week out, or month in, month out, or however often the tournaments are. Apart from Hanyang, Camille. Apart from <laughs> There's a glitch, let me tell you. <laughs> but I think uh, even just you're putting a point across like that. Yeah, I guess it's it's not great, is it? 
I was more thinking about the rise as opposed to the decline from a player who, you know, established themselves inside the top 16 and then, you know, getting that draw against a top eight player in the second round each time and slowly sliding outside the top 16. Yeah, it makes for makes for tough, you know, a bit of, a little more luck involved this way, right? Uh, yeah. You can ri- you can rise up quicker if you get the odd lucky draw, and you can also uh, get punished for sure if you get a couple of bad draws in a row, especially in a year like this where there's less tournaments. I mean, yeah. it's challenging. One of the things as well, if you scratch beneath the surface a little deeper, is that sometimes, for some nations. Like being top 16 in the world has an, has an impact in your lottery funding or your funding from the government. So, for example, like if you're 17 in the world, you're in, say you're in bracket C and you get X amount. And let's just say use 10,000 because it's a nice round number. But then if you're in the top 16, you get 20,000. There are certainly like, and sure, you know this, I know from in Scotland as well, is that, you know, the higher ranked you were and there was brackets that when you jump into a certain bracket, you get more money. Yeah, and if you slide out even by – it works like this in Canada too. If you slide out of a certain ranking bracket, you can lose all of your funding. Oof. Not even – yeah, you don't – there's certain times you can drop straight out of the athlete funding system. So <laughs> in the U.S., I think, is kind of a tiered system like what you're saying. So, you know, uh, two ranking spots difference can definitely cost you a bunch of money. Yeah, I, I think for me, I just feel like – there should be some sort of reward for, I mean, it's so hard to get up into the top 16 in the world and then to potentially drop back out of that with through no fault of your own just by losing to players ranked above you. I mean, fair enough, if you're ranked in the top 16 and you lose to players outside there and you have a couple of early defeats, then, yeah, you possibly deserve to drop down a couple of spots. Um, but to have that happen to you without necessarily losing to those players ranked below you just because you've come up against the top eight player in the second round seems a little bit harsh. I think there should be some sort of incentive and reward. And especially in a sport like squash, where the, the squash players are not making a lot of money. So the prize money does become significant. And for those girls or guys that are um, the difference in second round prize money versus third round prize money is probably fairly significant to those players. And again, I think there should be a little bit more protection. Um, just my thought. Yeah, I think that's fair. Do you guys want to diverge off your initial picks on the women's side anywhere? Do you see any uh, see any upsets coming? Just looking at the draw here. I mean, it's it's already it's become very very wide open. But then your regulars are still there. Your Hanyas, your Kamis, uh, Noran Gore has responded well with with a win, and she plays Rowan El Arabi tonight. So that'll be a good test on the on the glass in front of the. That's pyramids. a match I'm looking forward to a lot. Yeah, yeah, same. You mentioned her earlier. I mean, for those that maybe don't know, uh, Rowan Rabi beat Hanya in two consecutive World Junior Finals. And we've all seen what Hanya's done in the last sort of six months. So the fact that uh, this girl was beating her, and I think they're almost the same age, maybe like a year, no more than a year difference. Yeah, yeah. Um, and she's up at, I think she's at 17 in the world already. Um so she's she's making steady progress, but she's obviously not winning these big events like Hanya has, but I think she probably has the potential to to push on and get some big wins. So it'll be interesting to see how she gets on against Nuran, who possibly hasn't been at her best yet since she came back. Yeah, front of the pyramids, pressure being the number one seed. 
do see, I do predict Noran coming through, although that probably means Rohan El Rabi is going to win. <laughs> <laughs> well, I also predicted Gohar would make the semis, and I, I would stick by that, but I just think it'll be an interesting matchup. One of the things that I read in Gohar's quote after her previous round was uh, we talked about the fact she didn't play Manchester. Apparently, she intended to play Manchester, but she picked up an injury two or three weeks before it started. Oh. And it took a little bit of time to, to heal, so she pulled out of that. Um, but maybe that's still affecting her. I'm not quite sure. Yeah, and then uh, fun one for me to watch, uh, Frida Mohammed, Columbia, uh, first-year player. Took out Sarah Jane in three and now has uh, Joshna Chinapa to potentially face off against Sherbini or a friend of the program, Danielle Eterno. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like I said, I think Frida is a bit of a force. Um, and, yeah, I haven't seen Joshna play in a while, but she'll be, she'll be in for some work. And then I'm still, still happy with my um, Camille over Hania over Gohar, and I still see Sherbini potentially probably coming through on the bottom. So, Looking things good. are lining up. <laughs> they can all go wrong. They can all go wrong very quickly. Uh, we must mention the uh, the Galice sisters, both Nelly and, and Tinny, who have had some pretty big wins. You know, Tinny beat Tesney Evans in three, three very closely contested, ma- three very closely contested games, and Nelly, who beat Sovi, 12-10 in the fifth. We spoke, I think it was a little bit offline on our last recording, and I think you boys had, had mentioned that Nelly had, she's going to cause Amanda some problems. Yeah, I watched them both play in Manchester and could see some real progress in their game. Um, and yeah, they've, they've both stepped up again here. Uh, Tina obviously upset in Tesney, but then she just played earlier today by a couple of hours ago, uh, played at Hamami and took her to four games and quite a close four as well. Yeah. Uh, and Nela obviously beat Amanda and has now followed that up with another win against uh, Holly Norton. So she's now in the quarterfinals. I'm not sure if she's made the quarters of one of these events before. Not, don't think she has, but I could be, could be wrong. I think the British uh, Open in 2019. Oh, oh yeah. She and she actually she played her other. sister. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but I mean, both of them seem like. I think I mentioned it during one of our shows in uh, around Manchester is that they had really taken a leap forward and were starting to threaten those top players, and they've proven it this week. Yeah, and she'll have Nelly will play the winner of Norlan Goar and Rowan Alarabi. So it'll be an interesting, another interesting match to, to sort of see. Buzzing, confidence. You never know. She's already yeah. beaten the number seven in the world and backed it up, which is can sometimes be a hard thing. You know, when you have that really big win emotionally, it takes a lot out of you. You're excited, you're happy, and then there's a bit of a wave of a come down to play Holly the following morning at, you know, 11.45 or 12.45, whatever it was, local time. And to come through that, I think that's big. Yeah, we got some uh, got some good stuff in front of the pyramids tonight. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking tonight. forward to getting on the glass court. I mean... I've watched a little bit of the, the streaming on YouTube with the side courts, but it's not quite the same. It's actually quite odd today watching Gote and Wilstrop playing on regular plastic courts because you're just so familiar with seeing them play on glass courts that yeah. it feels like so long since I saw them play on anything else. 
Gaultier, I don't know if you read the report before the match, but Gaultier and Borja played in the first round of the round of 32. And, you know, they're in the, the car together. And just, I, I'd say that must have been a pretty cool moment because they've pretty much played juniors together. They're similar age. I think maybe Gaultier is a year older. No, I said they're both. How old are they? <laughs> 37, 38. They're both 37. Okay. So they've, they've played juniors together. They've traveled the world together. They've all, they've pretty much played the same events for the last 20 odd years. I mean, I know Gaultier's rise to the top was a little bit quicker, but not that far off, really. Maybe I wonder won. what the highest combined age of a PSA match is, is. Well, didn't they have that a couple of years ago when Thierry Linku played Palmer at Rotterdam in the World Open? And I think it was both of their last events and they played in the round of 16. And they would have been younger than those two. So maybe this is beating it. Possibly, yeah. Something in my head rings that it was sim- it's kind of a similar thing, but I'm probably wrong. So I'll go with you on this one. Yeah, I was thinking maybe <laughs> Ollie Tuminen was still playing at a reasonably high level until fairly recently. And he was uh, quite a bit older than them. So maybe he was part of the oldest combined match. Yeah. Well, that's it for us for now for today. We got the rest of the matches coming on. We got Sabrina against Camille and Noran Gore against Rowan El Rabi on the, uh, at the, in front of the pyramids tonight, followed by Ali Farag and Nicky Muller and Yusuf Ibrahim and Paul Cole later today. So we'll watch that with great intrigue. Lovely, lovely. Some uh, crackers. Some, cra- <laughs> some green crackers. Thank you, Stuart. Thank you, Chris. Thanks, guys. Speak to you soon. Speak to you soon. Yeah, enjoy. Happy days. <laughs>